I don't know about you, but I'm ready to celebrate. Are you? Man, uh, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 23, and we'll be looking at verses 39 through 43 here in just a second. Uh, but on this Easter Sunday morning, once again, I tell you, you look beautiful in all of your pastels and dresses and all those things like that. Uh, but if you're here this morning, you kind of know a few things leading up to this. Number one, you know that there was a Jesus. There was a Jesus that died upon the cross for your sins. And this morning, we celebrate him not as a dead king, but as a king that rose three days later. Amen? So this morning, we celebrate. This is one of those Sundays that we celebrate what Jesus Christ did. And so uh, this morning, as we kind of look at some of the events of the cross, we look at some of the things that took place, I hope that in your heart, the joy of knowing Christ, the joy of knowing what he accomplished is present for you. This is something that's very uh, just kind of fresh in my heart and in my mind. Uh, last week, I actually got, or two weeks ago, I got back from Israel. And so listen, I have seen the empty tomb. I have seen the marks and seen where he walked and where he fulfilled this. And so I'm excited to share some things with you this morning. Uh, but before we get into some of this, uh, we're going to relate to the two thieves that were on the cross. And so let me just ask a question uh, to begin. How many of you have been stolen from? Okay. Now, stealing a heart doesn't count. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I feel like somebody raised their hand is like, I stole her heart. Uh, but no, how many, of, now listen, on the other side, for confession, how many of you have stolen from somebody? Okay. Now listen, uh, this is one of those things that as a child, as somebody that grew up, there were times when I stole and the thing that cured me was, for some reason, me and my brother thought it would be okay to steal a lot of thread from Michael's when we were kids. I blame my mom for taking us to a thread store. Uh, me and my brother had no business being in there. Uh, but the thing that cured it was, as soon as we walked out, my mom saw that both of our pockets were full of thread. I have no idea what we were going to do with the thread. She made us go back inside and apologize to the people for stealing their thread and then empty our pockets. And so I just, does anybody have an experience like that where your, your parents, uh, it's one of those things. For me, on the opposite side of this, I have had things that are stolen from me. And so that's kind of the, the, the victimizing, and you kind of think of this. And so for me, uh, after my grandfather passed away, he left me a lot of his tools. And so I put them in the toolbox on my truck, and then we uh, went with some, uh, some friends of ours out on a boat. The boat actually broke down, and by the time we got back to the boat ramp, somebody had stolen all of my grandfather's tools out of the truck. And, and you, you kind of want to go to them and be like, hey, those were my grandfather's. But the thief doesn't go, hey, it was me, right? And so this morning, as we kind of look into this, uh, I want to share with you a few facts on thieves. In 2017, the FBI reported that 1.4 million burglaries, with, it, with 57% or 58% of all burglaries involved forcible entry. Listen, there are over 2.5 million burgl burglaries annually in the United States. A break-in occurs every 26 seconds, according to the FBI. And listen, this is kind of a, a, a staggering understanding, but police are only able to solve 13% of reported burglary cases. Listen, if you've spent any time with police officers, you know that one of the things that happens just about every shift is some type of theft. Some funny things that were kind of stolen. 
Now, this is intriguing to me, so I hope it'll be intriguing to you. The Guinness Book of Records holds the record for being the book that is most often stolen from public libraries. I have no idea why. I feel like they probably put a ploy together to have this. Uh, This one, uh, Mr. Rogers' car was once stolen and then returned after the thief realized whose car it was. Now, for some of you that don't know who Mr. Rogers was, this is kind of that weird uh, understanding. But uh, does anybody remember the rumor about Mr. Rogers that he was a Navy SEAL? Does anybody remember hearing that? Listen, I'd take his car back too, right? I mean, I I don't know if that came out at that time. Who knows? Uh, But selling stolen artifacts is the third most profitable wing of the black market after drugs and weapons. Now, I'm not entire, I'm not trying to entice you to a new career field, okay? Uh, but what I am telling you is that there is a lot of theft in our current situation. This is the most fascinating thing, and I think that this is the most accomplished thievery that could ever be done. In 2008, a beach was stolen in Jamaica. The 500 truckloads of sand remain missing to this very day. Now, can you imagine being the one that reported this? Hey, 911, what's your emergency? Somebody stole the beach. Sir, please hang up and go to the hospital. You're, all, you're having an OD. Like, you just, can you imagine this? Can you imagine taking your family to the beach and the police are there and you go, hey, we're trying to enjoy the beach. And they go, I'm sorry, go home. Somebody stole it. 500 loads of sand stolen. Let me give you some truth about stealing. Time Magazine did a study that showed one in six students under 18 have stolen something this year. Now, this is the one that kind of humbles me next. A shocking 75% of employees admit to stealing at least once from their employer. Now, listen, that's not the good people of Pooler Bible Church, right? That's definitely the people that were in the early service, right? It's somebody else. But listen, 75% of employees admit to stealing, which means that it's probably more than that. So this morning, I want you to understand that we can relate to the two thieves that were on the cross. To understand the setting, to understand what was taking place within this interaction, that Jesus had been on trial. He had been accused of some things. And yet still, Pilate looked at him and said, I wash my hands, I find this this man, Jesus, completely innocent, but do your will if you want to crucify him. Can you imagine that? Listen, where is the outrage, the injustice for what took place? He suffered greatly up to this point. He had been beaten, he had been mocked, and now he was hanging upon a cross. To give kind of further understanding that Jesus, when he was on the cross, he was actually nailed to the cross. This innocent person put in the middle of two thieves, nailed to this cross. 
So we pick up this instance in Luke chapter 23 and verse 39, where there's two thieves. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Now imagine at this point, things are looking really bleak. All three of these individuals know that they're going to die on the cross. If you read the previous verses, you'll see that the people were mocking Jesus. They were looking at him and saying, this is the king of the Jews. This is the the, the promised Messiah. This is the one that you believed in. See how that's worked out for him. And the thief, seeing everybody mock, seeing everybody fulfill this, begins to join in. And he says these words. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Now listen, this is basically, hey, get us down off of here if you can. Now, you say, I don't really relate to that thief. How many of you have prayed and said, God, I forgot to study for this test. If you will just give me a C plus, I'm not even asking for an A or a B, just a C plus. I'll love you with everything that I got. This is the same thing that the thief is doing. Imagine in this scenario, you're getting ready to walk into something that you don't want to deal with. You say, God, please, if you can just make this go well. If you could just make this go, okay, I'll worship you, I'll serve you with the rest of my life. It's this collective bargaining chip with Christ. We pick this up where the other thief steps in in verse 40. But the other thief rebuked him. He said, stop. Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. The other thief approaches it this way and he says, and we indeed justly. He said, we know why we're here. Now listen, this may be the first thief or the first criminal in history to say, I'm guilty. You caught me. I'm getting everything that I deserve. He said, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Capture that moment. Because both thieves are looking to Jesus. Both of them understand why that they are there. The events that unfolded to get them to the cross. And both of them recognize that Jesus is innocent. Imagine that moment where the two thieves are seeing things completely differently. One is saying, hey, get us down, get us off of here, get us away from this. And the other one is saying, listen, we deserve it, he doesn't. Verse 42, he says, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Listen to this, this cry out word of saying, Jesus, we all know that we're going to die shortly. Please, 
Remember me in your kingdom. Listen to what Jesus' response was in verse 43. And he said to him, truly I say to you, and catch this, today you will be with me in paradise. You imagine that thief knowing that today was going to be the end of his life, knowing that everything was over this day, that Jesus looks at him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Now listen, we have the first one who mocks and gets Jesus and tries to get this this get out of jail free card. He's looking at Jesus going, hey, get us out of this. I think that there's a lot of individuals that relate to this thief. The second, he understands that he's getting what he deserves and he's genuinely asking for mercy. He knows that the person in the middle is innocent. He has seen what he's went through and looking at that going, why is the innocent man suffering more than us? So this morning, I want to look because there's a few lessons that we can learn from thieves. One of the things that happens is after you've been stolen from, you begin to lock everything, right? Now, let me ask you a simple question. Are you concerned about a thief this morning? Now, how many of you locked your vehicle before you came in? How many of you are concerned that you didn't lock your vehicle before you came in and you're checking your keys right now? Listen, I promise you, we don't have people stealing from your cars or anything like that this morning. But listen, it's one of those things that we go, man, I'm worried about a thief. One of the thief's purposes is this. Jesus points this out in John chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, I am the opposite of that. Look, many people look at Jesus and they say, he's trying to take everything from you. He's trying to take you. He's trying to take. And Jesus says the exact opposite. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You imagine this understanding that Jesus is saying, I did not come to take from you. I came to give Can you imagine if a thief came and said, hey, listen, I was going to steal everything that you've got, but I'm going to give you everything that I have. What a difference. What a change. What a paradigm shift of who Jesus Christ is. But there's a couple of things that we can learn from these thieves. The first is this. We all deserve death due to our sin. Catch this. This is an understanding because when Adam and Eve sinned, death became prevalent. The one commonality between all of us in this room, unless Jesus comes back, is that every one of us will pass away. Listen, I know that's a morbid thought on an Easter Sunday morning, but the truth of the matter is this. We all deserve death due to our sin. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Understand this, that none of us have righteousness built within us. 
Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the, gift, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Imagine this, that not only do we deserve death, but there is a rescue. There is something for us. The next lesson that we can learn from this thief or from these thieves is this. We can't save ourselves. Catch this. Both thieves were looking at Jesus saying, rescue me. The thief didn't look at the other thief and say, hey, listen, we've stolen a lot of stuff together. Let's steal this cross and get out of here. Both thieves looked at Jesus knowing that he was the only person that could save them. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Listen, he further says, Not a result of your works, so that no one may boast. Do you realize there is nothing that you and I can do to save ourselves? We are in need of Jesus. The next lesson that we can learn from these two thieves is this. Jesus died for every sinner. Can I tell you? One of the most undeserving individuals that made it to heaven was the thief on the cross right next to him. Now listen, we may look in judgment and say, there's no way that he should have made it. He didn't understand things. He didn't know things. He never completely followed Jesus Christ. He asked for Jesus to rescue him, and then he was dead. But I want you to understand, if Jesus will forgive the criminal, criminal on the cross, he will forgive you and save you also. Man, this gives us so much hope of knowing that Jesus does this. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, it says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, not made right, Christ died for us. He continues, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, made right, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Look, the reality is that he took upon all of our sins upon him. He died on the cross for this purpose. Another understanding that we can learn a lesson from these thieves is this. Only Jesus can save us. In Acts chapter 4 verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Listen, the thieves knew this and understood this. Another lesson that we can learn from the thieves is this. Just figuring it out is not an option. Listen to me. One of the most disheartening conversations that I have with people is when I share Christ with them, they begin to look at me and they say, Jeff, I'm just going to try to figure it out. Listen, I'm going to tell you, 
There's a loving God that gave you a very clear, easy roadmap. He didn't leave you to your own devices to just try to figure things out. He left you scripture and an understanding of the events of the cross so that you would know that you don't have to figure it out. Can I tell you, imagine if we did this with our kids. We said, listen, I know that we birthed you, but you just need to figure it out. Now, some of the kids are looking going, woohoo, this is going to be awesome. But all the parents in the room are looking going, that would be complete chaos. There's a loving heavenly father that gave you a clear roadmap, a clear understanding of what it means to follow him. I love that John 3.16 is probably the most notorious verse that's ever out there because it talks about salvation being for all. But two short verses later in, in verse 18, it says these words, whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Listen to me. You're not going to be able to figure this out on your own. You're not going to come up with a new way to spend eternity with Christ. Nothing has changed from Scripture Jesus has given this clear roadmap, this clear understanding, and he's graciously told you, you don't have to figure it out on your own. Another lesson that we can learn from this is that Jesus receives humble belief. Let me read verse 42 again. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He didn't give him all the reasons that he should be there. He said, please remember me. Jesus' response was this. Truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now listen. Salvation is made as this super complex thing where some feel like you have to clean up every area of your life before you may accept Christ. And I promise you, that is not the case. Jesus did not look at the sinner on the cross or the thief on the cross and say, hey, go get a bunch of things right and then come back and talk to me. Think for some, this placing our faith and trust is this difficult task. The reality is Jesus has made it very simple. I love the video that I'm getting ready to play because it gives kind of the account of what the thief, when he entered into heaven, may have thought. I think about the thief on the cross. I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you, were, you, were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? 
That's what the angel must have said, you know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, did you, excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor, Angel. So we just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? Guys, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let's just go to the doctrine of Scripture immediately. Guys, just staring. And eventually, in frustration, he says, on, on basis are you here? And he said, man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, no, that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. Simply put, the man on the middle cross said that I could be here. Listen, the reason that I'm celebrating this morning is because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Listen, I am truly humbled that he would love a sinner like me. I am humbled and amazed that he would allow me to know him. Completely changed, completely transformed because of what Jesus Christ has done in my heart and in my life. And this morning, I celebrate because Jesus Christ is the only king, the only Messiah who is not dead. He is risen Listen, I've seen the Dome of the Rock and I've seen that they worship a, a, an idol that is dead. I've studied Jewish culture and seen the understanding that they don't even know who Jesus was. They consider him a teacher. They missed it. And all of these events unfolded right before their eyes. Listen, I beg of you, whatever got you into this place this morning, whatever brought you here, whether it was an Easter egg or an invite or somebody that would relentlessly invite you until you couldn't say no anymore, whatever it is, God brought you here to hear this message. He loves you. He cares for you. Will you place your faith and trust in him? Listen, my celebration, I can shout it, I can sing it, I can rejoice about it. Listen, I have sang the same songs in two services and been just as touched. Not because of how great our worship team is, but because of the words that I'm crying out to the Lord. What is your celebration this morning? Is your celebration based on the food that you're going to eat or the eggs that you're going to find? Or is it based on knowing Christ? Have you placed your faith and trust in him? Listen, the events that took place for the two different thieves that were within the same proximity of Christ The one ended up in heaven 
spending eternity rejoicing with Christ. The sad reality is the other one ended up in eternity in hell apart from Christ. I ask you this morning, which thief will you be? Which thief will you be? Will you be the one that sits in arrogance and pride and continually rejects and says, you've never done anything for me? Or will you be the one that humbly approaches Jesus and places your faith and trust in him? One thief celebrated Christ for all of eternity. And the other groaned in a place called hell for all of eternity. Listen, my desire for every one of you in here is that you would know Christ. Listen, I know what my life was before Christ. I deal with so many individuals that have placed their faith and trust in Christ. I see the way that Jesus changes everything about their life. Listen, my desire is for you to know Christ this morning. Look, the greatest Easter celebration that you could possibly have is by beginning to trust him. If everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes just for a second. There's a passage of scripture called Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10. And it says these words. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God hath raised you from the dead, you will be saved. Listen, don't leave here not knowing Christ. Don't leave this place, this opportunity, without placing your faith and trust in him the reason that he came to this earth, the reason that he came and he died upon the cross is so that your sins and my sins would be forgiven. He lovingly, willingly took on that responsibility so that you wouldn't have to. He says, there's nothing that you can do. I have already done it. I know you may think, Jeff, you don't understand what my life looks like. You don't understand the sins that I'm part of. But this morning, I tell you, there's a sinner on that cross that stole willingly and knew that he belonged there. And that gives us the hope of knowing what we can do to place our faith and trust in him. The worship team is going to sing a song after I pray. The words to it are powerful. I hope that you'll cry out these words as we sing here in just a second. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you humbled and thankful for this day. Lord, that when you died upon the cross, three days later you rose again. I can't imagine being the ladies that were going to prepare the grave clothes that got to the tomb and realize that you weren't here. The angel appears and says to them, 
Why are you looking for him here? He is not here, but he has risen. Father, as the ladies not only turned around, but ran to go tell other people that their king was not in a tomb, that he was risen. Father, not only did you allow the disciples and the people that were close to you to see you when you were resurrected, but Lord, you have allowed over 450 people over 40 days to see your resurrected body. Paul even mentions it in one of his letters where he's referencing saying, if you don't believe me, talk to them. They saw the resurrected Christ also. Father, thank you for allowing this to be a celebratory Sunday and not a Sunday of mourning your loss. Father, for those that are here that don't know you, Lord, please draw them, let your Holy Spirit begin to work in their heart that they may begin to trust you for the very first time. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen. If everybody would stand as we sing this song, listen, the words to this are powerful, it's upbeat, but listen, cry these words out to Christ as we celebrate what Jesus